I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cancerman Now podcast. On this episode, we have a good mate of mine who is a very interesting character. He's been all over the world doing weird shit recently. Inactive war zones, the great man, Order of Australia medal, OAM. Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot about that. Yeah. Maddie Williams, Willie, how are you doing, bro? I'm really well. Thanks. Wait, did you say really well? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> What's happening, my brothers? Nothing now. I'm back home and I'm just chilling out in Australia up here, seeing some family. Beautiful. And just bring that mic a bit closer oh, to you, please. How's that? Sorry That's about that. That's good. And the great man, Bluey Nielsen, here in every, each and every week, hey, mate? I thought you were, when you were saying the very interesting man who's been all over the world, I assumed you were talking about me. But oh, yeah. my apologies. That's all right. My apologies. OAM as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The OAM was what splits us. For drinking beers. Yeah. That's it, though. <laughs> That's the defining factor. Uh, Willie, Matt, I always call you Matt, but... However, it's easy. Whatever it goes. Mate, you have a very interesting story. You've been on the podcast before mm. over Zoom. Do you reckon you could give everyone a bit of a, a run-up of, of your life to this point and then we'll get into what you've been up to recently because there's a lot I want yeah. to talk about uh, as to what you've been experiencing and, and what you've gone through uh, in the last, like, six months. It's been pretty full-on. It has been full-on. So, I guess my medical condition, medical condition of having a you know a massive penis. No, so it all, <laughs> it all starts. <laughs> that's the Feel you, bro. Definition. That's, that's tough. Yeah, man. it is tough. It is tough. That's funny. <laughs> Maddie says that now, and like people are like, oh, "What a dickhead! Why would he say that?" And then what he's about to say, people yeah. go, "Oh, it's going to bring it down." Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You just wait. Fair yeah. enough. Flog. Uh, <laughs> no, so yeah, I joined uh, the army in 2014 as just you know regular infantryman digger. Uh, deployed to Afghanistan in 2017. We've talked a lot about that in the podcast. And then coming home, then I got diagnosed uh, with brain cancer. So uh, that diagnosis went through a pretty hard, like, mental state of that. And then, you know, started fundraising, raised, I think, quarter million dollars-ish for, like, brain cancer research. And then through that, I sort of got medically separated from defence. I'm not sure if I was still in the army when I talked to you. I, I, I can't. I don't. I don't know if I would have been game to come on your show while still in. What do you so mean? I probably. I probably. You was people out. kill people. Why? What am I? Why am I a bad guy? You're worse. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't been cancelled. Fair, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. The boys are winning in court, mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I saw that. They're I trying. That. They're exactly. trying. And our memes are better. Um, <laughs> fuck it. So, yeah. So uh, and then I was medically separated from defence, and you know I've ended up uh, travelling a bit of the world, doing some recording and using my skills as, you know, uh, someone in conflict areas and doing whatever because, you know, infantry soldier, like foot soldier, you're sort of trained to be homeless, mm. a soldier, and that's about it. You know, mm. like, yeah, I'd be good, really good at both, but only one of them pays and with my medical stuff, I can't. Mm. Um, you know, going through chemotherapy and all of that really fucked me up. Like, 13 months of chemo is so difficult on your body and I still, like, struggle from elements of fatigue and whatever from it and, like, brain fade and everything. But, you know... I sort of just had to deal with it as part of my life. Um, and then I got my OAM, which I, I forget about all the time. Why did you get that? Uh, it was for service of the country through, 
uh, like cancer awareness and some other crap. But okay. I can't remember what it was actually. Some about. other crap. Well, that's the only time someone with an OAM. Cancer so. awareness and some other fucking shit. I still say, and all the boys I think would back this. I'm the loosest person to ever have had an OAM. Yeah. And like when they're announcing them, it's like, oh, this doctor, like it's like Fred Hollows, yeah. Willie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm up there like, what the fuck? So did we did we explain OAM is an Order of Australia medal? It's like the yeah, highest honor you can get in it's Australia. Not the highest, but it's you it's could have fairly you could have just ran with that. Like it's from you, the, it's from the Queen, so. Oh, Oh, shit. Yeah, Did you like, meet the Queen? No. Um, oh, fucking, yeah, fucking COVID. Right. Yeah. yeah. I might have knocked her off a few day, a few like, years earlier. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Giving her a couple of fucking sharp ones. Yeah. But, yeah. So, what is the story at the moment? Where, or where are you at with your uh, diagnosis? My diagnosis is difficult because it sort of go, can go zero to 100 overnight. Uh, mm. At the moment, the tumor is like very slow growing in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, so it's a brain cancer. So mm. it's not it's not brilliant. Um but you know, so my left frontal lobe controls my right hand, a bit of my right, like whole, pretty much my right side, but mostly my right hand. They can't cut it out because it'll just come back. So they're more just leaving it. I have a scan every three months to update like what's happening. So is that a diffused tumor? Oh God, I wouldn't even know anymore. Okay. Um, I, I literally have just switched off from it all. Fair. Um, because I'm just like so how much know. you can so do it's about a, it. It's a primary tumor uh, of the brain. It is. It has a level of diffusion on the outside. So it is mixed with brain matter like mm. this, but it's not like you see some like brain chan- cancer tumors, whatever, that are literally like you've got an orange and just put a syringe into it and just, it's all through. So mine isn't that bad, but even then they can't cut it out and it'll probably eventually do that. Um, mm. it'll, it'll sort of go out. And these can just grow incredibly rapidly, incredibly slowly. I've, get, I've had doctors give me five to seven years and it's been four. I've given some that say, like, like we don't know. You could die in a week or you could die to your 80. We don't. We have no idea. Wow. Because it's so rare. Like like what I've got is not only uncommon amongst people, but it's very uncommon as a 20-year-old, especially mm. someone who like doesn't smoke, fairly fit, whatever. Very uncommon. So I've been in like the medical research center in Adelaide and not even for my own health. They've been like taking me in doing scans and like this is so uncommon. We just sort of put it in the system of like this is what happens. So no one really knows. Yeah. But that's sort of given me a lease of just doing my thing too. So I guess on the topic of brain cancer, not to dwell on it too much, have you seen what's been happening with Charlie Teo at the moment? Yeah, yeah, what, I have. What do you th- so Charlie Teo is a neurosurgeon. Yeah, uh, he's, he's one of my neurosurgeons. I've too. He's really one of the one of the two I work with. Okay, so um, he's been copying it hard from a report from the Sydney Morning Herald and sixty Minutes, and I, yeah. I wrote a video on it for for this week. Um, and he's been copying it really, really hard because he operates on. Uh, you know the one percent really, yeah, the ones that no one else will operate on, and he. And people were complaining, suggesting that, you know, my my son, my daughter, like horrible stories, died or, or were, or were um, become para, maybe paraplegic or whatever mm. because he's operating on spinal cords and all this type of stuff and I suppose the brainstem rather that attaches to the spinal cord. And 60 Minutes hammered him. Now, this guy has saved countless mm. people's lives, given hope when there's no hope left. Yeah. Uh, to people in the worst situation possible, particularly with children, uh, and he's getting dragged by the media at the moment. Like Channel Nine went so hard on him; it's 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 just fucking gross. Unlock yeah. sixty minutes in Channel Nine to yeah, do a hatchet job. That. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's it's odd. Full hatchet job. That's weird. Yeah, not not like yeah. them at all. Like Grimshaw and the boys. Mm. <laughs> and the boys. Yeah. So you saw that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of that, and it's, it's been going on for ever. Like mm. the, the recent allegations and all this crap, I haven't. Like the most recent stuff, I don't keep up with because I've just switched off from it. Mm. He's a friend of mine. Like, like I've done a podcast with him on my like podcast channel thing. When what's your podcast channel? 
Well, it's now on my whole YouTube, but it's Willie OAM. Yep. Um, because my whole thing is sort of doing podcasts with boys in the trenches. Yep. But one of the old ones, well, he's in the bloody trenches at the moment. He's in the Charlie. trenches, absolutely. Um, yeah. But he's a lovely dude. Like I had a like an appointment with him, and I was like, <coughs> I'd love to like you know interview you one day. He's like, What are you doing this afternoon? And I'm like, Um. Oh, I'm free and I've been, I've been in Sydney. He's like, sweet, let's go to lunch. I had lunch with him. Let's go do the podcast. Lovely dude. Mm. But the, what I will say about people who end up dying on his operating table or having you know, a large illness, it's like, yeah, but it's not you going on the table. It's not a healthy 20-year-old, 30-year-old going on the table. These people, you see Charlie when there's no hope, where there's no, no one else will operate on you. Yeah. And you would be silly if you got, you know, it's a brainstem issue, spinal, any neurological issue. And the first person you saw was Charlie. Mm. That'd be silly. And that's the reason why you can't just go see him through bloody Medicare yeah. because he's a private surgeon. Yeah. People who go see Charlie, every surgeon told me, we can't operate, we can't operate, can't operate. And then you go and see Charlie and he'll be like, I'll operate, but the chances are fucked. Yeah. And that's my thing is he's not getting fit, young, healthy people, putting them on his slab and killing them mm. or having a large issue. These are people who you've got six months to live. Mm. You will die 100% in six months. Yes. Or I will offer you a 99% death surgery, but on the 1% you will live tomorrow or in the next week. Or it might be 90-10%. He gives them a chance. Mm. Uh, and, and at that point, I imagine all you want is a chance. Well, what are you going to do if you've got six months left and someone offers you like 80-20 odds? You're probably going to take it. And, if, yeah. and the thing is, I will say about Charlie, is like the first time I ever had a, I've had multiple points with him, me and my mum went in, both of us came out in tears because he's a savage. Like he will, he won't you know, fuck around the subject. He'll be like, Matt, this is what your tumour is. This is the sort of outcome of this. This will kill you, blah, blah. And he's absolute savage. And like, yep, Matt, if you come in surgery with me, there's 50% chance you won't wake up. 30% chance you'll come out paralysed on your right side. 20% chance we get it out and you wake up and you're good. Fuck. And he'll speak to you like, like just... As you, as you need. He's you not need someone punches. to fucking... Yeah, well, is, you need yeah. someone to act like that in that situation. Like that's... Yeah. Yeah. It's life or death. It is life or death. Yes. You don't need someone beating around the bushes. Yeah, and at that point, and he had some like undergrads with him from the States there, like pretty much studying the work he does, and it was like, well, what would you do? And he's like, look, if I had your illness right now, I probably wouldn't operate. He's like, the risk is huge and mm. you've got everything going with you. Like, I'm not telling mm. you what to do, but if I was in your shoes, I probably wouldn't. He's like, your hands work, you can still do everything. And he's like, if you came in here and said, all I want to do is see my kids turn whatever, turn 18, then you'd, I'd do the surgery. Mm. But he's like, just keep living. He's like, you, all you do is with your hands, whatever. He said, I'll be taking more from you doing that than what I might actually be able to give you with taking it out. So down the track somewhere, it's, his door's always open, whatever. And people complain. The most stupid thing, he explains this in depth, but the most stupid things people say, oh, a surgery is $100,000. Yes. Him. What's completely, well, he might ask for that much, but... To redo your bloody bathroom is $40,000. <laughs> yeah. You're asking someone who's a world-renowned neuros, like a fucking neurosurgeon to come in, operate on you for 14 to 20 hours, could be more, like mm. non-stop. And he's got a, he's not just him, he's got to hire a full team, he's yeah. got to hire a fucking operating theatre. And he said on this interview with Tracy, sorry to interrupt, yeah. uh, Tracy Grimshaw on The Current Affair, because she posed that question. Mm. And he said, mate... I don't want to work in the public sector because I can't choose my team. Yeah. I want to yep. work with the. It's like I imagine for for you in the in the defence force and anyone from the defence force listening, this is like breaching a fucking very dangerous building. Yeah, you need to go in with the SAS, the yeah. best of the best, yeah. right? You need someone who's battle hardened, ready to go because everything's going to go wrong. Um, and he said, mate, this it costs money to have that. 
it, it costs money to have yeah. all. And if you ever, I was listening to a TikTok the other day about this woman in America talking about how much her uh, birth cost. Yeah. And I'm interested in that because Claire's pregnant at the moment. I was listening to all of that. And in America, if you don't have healthcare, like it's like $150 fucking thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they charge you through the nose. So when I heard that Charlie uh, Teo charges 120, 150K per surgery, mm. I was like, that sounds pretty reasonable. Reasonable. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of it that'll get handed back to you from him too. I was gonna, so this yeah. is the thing: is he he has a buffer of money, like say say it's hundred thousand dollars, and but he's like, well, it's only going to cost sixty, but you've got to have another forty on top. Yeah. Purely for if you know something goes wrong and you spend longer in ICU than you than I think. Like okay, he's, yeah. the, in the sixty grand, he's like, that's a week in ICU after. But if you need two months in ICU, I'm not going to come and charge you and go. You need to give me four, forty more thousand. It's already now. covered in that. It's Just already covered. There. And he said most of the time we're handing people back tens of thousands of dollars. Because of you know they haven't spent as long in there. Yeah, and that's how it is. And I and like you brought up like the example of the SAS. I bring up that Charlie Teo isn't your regular like regular infantryman. He's your SAS dude. Yeah, it's unconventional warfare. Shit goes wrong. You're doing shit outside of the re- the regular norms. And he's often said he will do any surgery for free if you can get a referral from a doctor. Because if your doctor, your surgeon, does a referral to him. Like when you get referred to see a specialist, it actually doesn't go through that specialist. It goes through like the GP referred you. That's where the money goes. Said if your doctor refers you to me for the operation, it will be covered on Medicare. And not oh. once in his 30-year career has that ever happened. Like it could be free for you, but no doctor will refer to me for that to happen. Yeah. Why? Is that because if, if, that, well, if their poppy, reputation? poppy syndrome? Fuck, that's fucked. It happened to them. I, I won't know his name and I won't know much of the story, but my GP was telling me because my GP actually went through med school with Charlie Teo and yeah. knows him. And he's like, yeah, he can be a bit of a cowboy here and there, but he's not doing it to regular people. Um, and he's, he's a lot different to a normal doctor. But he's like, oh, there was a cardiac surgeon in Adelaide had the exact same happen to him. He was doing these really high-end surgeries and was sort of doing outside of what the fellowship of doctors really wanted. Next thing, no, nah, no one will work with you. You can't do this, can't do that. And very similar circumstance. He just wanted a celebrity status as Teo. Would it also be too, because he's doing such high risk surgeries that if, could a doctor be Is liable if they, ref, well, if, if I referred you to him and then something went wrong with you, they're like, well, who was the referring doctor? Are you then liable in some well, it, way? It Is that, could, Is that, you know what I mean? They're shitting themselves because of that as well. I don't I know. I don't know. But I'm like, where's the response? Like, I know if I signed up for a, a surgery with Teo, you know exactly your chance of this. And it's like personal well, responsibility. Yeah, like, he's telling you, isn't he? Like, he said in that interview, he said, I think people just, when something goes horrible, some people want someone to blame. 100%. Yeah. And it's the same with everything. And he's the one to blame. But people need to remember that neurosurgeons are a different breed too. There's oh, a reason yeah. us in here are not neurosurgeons. Like, that's because you've got to go to school. Several, that's, several reasons. that's the understatement of the century, doing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing 15 years of like solid, like fucking hard study. Yeah. And then, like, my, my other surgeon to see more um, is Abu Hamden. She is away like every, probably a week and every month in the States or in Germany, still studying. Yeah. And so, they're weird. Neurosurgeons are a bit out there. And yeah. part, of, part of that story was, oh, he had a motorcycle helmet on his desk. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Look at your desk. Like What the fuck? What? what? Like, at least he's related. They're trying to make him look like a cowboy. Like, 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 a oh, motorcycle. He rides a motorbike. <laughs> and what no one will understand is Charlie's <laughs> Charlie's daughter has you know a traumatic brain injury. Really? And his late wife died of cancer. Yeah. Like, he's got skin in the game. He's got his like, motivations. No one, if he wanted, he's an incredibly smart guy. And when you talk to him, you feel like a fucking ape. I want to get him on the podcast. I really want to yeah, get him on I'll, this podcast. I'll try to get your contact. That would like, be great. My IQ is like six, and he's probably in that like genius level. Upper echelon and of everything. And you speak to him, yeah, and you're like, oh, and you're like, if he if he was money driven, he'd run a fucking business yeah. and earn millions. Mm. He wouldn't be doing the most like demanding surgeries in the world. 
on sick people, and he's a fucking human. Like it's not easy knowing that all the children oh, you talk and like the these burden brain, these brain things and mostly with like little kids yeah fuck sakes and you go into his office and there's a whole wall of pictures for of like oh thank you for saving me charlie and it's an eight-year-old boy or a nine-year-old girl and you're like yeah what an what an evil prick he is giving these people a chance donating his time internationally if you look at any of the charlie Tio foundation which most of my money went He's like don't like um going international to do voluntary yeah. Yeah. Like surgeries on people. And you're like, yeah, what an what an evil bastard. It, it is good that like these like, you know, people like Charlie Teo can study for like you say fifteen years and continually skill themselves up mm. and, and do what they do and then Fat Tracy Grimshaw can have the hide, you know, fucking journos oh, can get on yeah. there and have a go. It's like, mate. As I said, I made a video. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, Shut I'm, the fuck up. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely pissed off about it. It's insane. It's like, mate, you couldn't do what this bloke does. Shut the fuck no, up. You, but you know what might come come out of this, which might be actually quite good? They're talking about a uh, <laughs> a, a centre of ex- excellence yeah. uh, becoming a part of sort of his, uh, his world um, because he's currently banned from doing surgeries. Uh, because another doctor complained about him, yeah, yeah, and then now he's been investigated. has has been for, um, I think it's coming up on like a year and a half, eight months, ridiculous. whatever it is, and that means that in that time, not only have they been investigating him, and who knows what's going on, how long they take, whatever, but there's you know several dozen children, yeah, that have just died, yeah, you know, and maybe maybe ninety percent of them would have died anyway, but. There's ten yeah, percent of people, families who just lost their child that could have been saved. It's but you're crazy. doing a fucking investigation into it's this bloke. Crazy. It's ridiculous. But speaking of Tracy Grimshaw, Can't. anyone, anyone on Facebook, there's a group called Skids for Tracy Grimshaw. Oh my god! And it's just like these bogans in their, their Commodore, like out the window, like yes, you, it up. Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> go fire up the Raptor, mate. We'll go do a few Skids Fuck for Grimshaw. Let's really. do it. It's the best group I've ever. This had. podcast is brought to you by Skids for Trace, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I got got told she was a lesbian. Well, that's just because no bloke will fuck her. <laughs> there goes my career in like mainstream media for the rest of my life. Well, someone told me that he, he worked on a boat and she had a, a date or something on that boat and it smelled like pussy and champagne. Which, Maybe it was me. Which is, also a, which is also a fantastic, and I'm saying that I don't know if that's true at all. <laughs> it's also a great band name, Pussy and Champagne, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk Ukraine. Yeah. Now, I was scrolling through Instagram one day and I knew the Ukraine war was sort of kicking up. Everyone was talking about it. And then I saw you post a thing. I'm headed to Ukraine. Mm. I thought it was a joke. Yeah. No, <laughs> you man. were in the Ukraine mm. uh, prior to, during, and as the war started. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> give me story time on all of that. Oh, shit. Well, so, long, first of all, got- why? Well, I didn't know what to do. Like, I left the army, and I was like, "I, what do I do? Like, I've got I'm an infantryman. I can't go to like school. Like, I can't go to like university because I'll die by the time I'll die with a hex debt. Mm. Like, fuck that. Yeah, I mean, we're all gonna do that, mate. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. narrow it down. At least I've got you're not special. I've got an easy way out with the tumor, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I was like, well, I'll probably chase your fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, I've got a bit of a following. Maybe I'll go and do some media stuff on this because a, a lot of media is just bullshit. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just go and just. Start this. So I went uh, early February, like the 1st or 2nd of Feb, just flew to Ukraine. I was like, you know, a couple of days before, I was like, I was meant to be going to um, Sweden to do like a snowmobile shooting thing with some guys. That sounds, um, that sounds much what, better. What, what, what did sound sick, but it got cancelled. Okay. And I was like ready to I was like ready to go overseas. All my shit was packed. And I was like, right. fuck it. I'll fly to Kiev. 
Wow. So oh, how did you get to start. Kiev? Can you just buy a ticket to Kiev? That's what moment? I was going to Jetstar doing yeah. good deals yeah. to Kiev <laughs> at the moment. You either go to Bali or Kiev. It's yeah, less yeah, dangerous yeah. than Bali. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no. So, you, well, then you could. Like, at that okay. point, I just flew, you know, to Adelaide, Sydney, Sydney, Dubai, Dubai, Kiev. And you wow. could just you get to go there. Like, it was just a country. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the longer I was there, the more normal it became. Mm. Like, it's just a normal country. Yeah. And so would Russia. If you just went to Moscow, yeah. I guarantee it'd be somewhat normal. Maybe yeah. not at the moment, but, you know, at that point, Fly to Kiev, and I got there, and I'm like, "Fucking what now?" Um, so what was the, what was the feel in in Kiev? Oh, the war was never gonna fucking happen. You bring it up, they're like, "Fuck off!" Like, really? no people even had drinking, carrying on, just normal, normal city, absolutely like nothing different. So I was like, "Fuck!" I was like hunting anyone who cared. So I ended up going further and further and further east, um, right out to like you know Kharkiv, Kramatorsk areas, which are you know right on the border of Russia. Like I got an, an Uber to the border just to suss it out. And everyone's like, they invaded in 2014 when they annexed Crimea. Yeah. They're not invading. Like, it's just flexing muscles. They do this to us all the time. And, like, it may have seen on our news, but they're like, no, like, every day on our news for years, they're like, oh, they might do it. They're never going to fucking do it. So I was like, right, I'll film. There's some protests and some pro Russia, pro Ukraine protests. It's a lot of pro Russians out in the East. Like, like, at that time, it's probably 50 50. Now it's probably 80 20. Mm. Still a lot of pro Russian people out there. Yeah, right. Um, well, people don't understand. You know, they, people can think whatever they want. Um, but I filmed some of that and then went to like these couple of bars and fucking awesome. Like a massive night will cost you like 30 bucks. Wow. And met like the most lovely people ever. It was like the only people out there that spoke fucking English. Yeah. I was friends with and all we did was sing karaoke and get pissed for weeks. And I was like just convinced this just a fucking holiday at this yeah, point. Yeah. Next thing there's missiles coming in. I'm like, oh fuck, I shouldn't have drank so many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god, I'm so drunk. So what, hap- what happened uh, in like the days leading up to the war? People were still pretty like this isn't gonna happen. Yeah, everyone there. No, like it was never gonna happen. Like the news was carrying on, but the news yep. always carries on. Yeah. Uh, and I was out working in people probably heard like Donetsk, Donbass region. Yeah. That's like the front line, like where the fighting's been. And I was out there and, you know, working like pretty much within the trenches in those frontline towns, and the feeling was like normal. Uh, mm. I was there on the, I think it was like the 22nd of February, like two days before the war, when Russia declared uh, the DPR and the LPR independent states of both Ukraine and Russia. And even then it was like, yeah, well, that was always going to fucking happen. Mm. There has been much really pick up a fire and whatever. And the funny thing was like, there's still trenches there. Since 2014, there's two trenches. You can see the Russian positions and they'll fire some shots at each other and whatever. But there's a um, like a government agency. It's like the IAEA or some crap that do the, I see not that one, but they do like the ceasefire violations, but they knock off work at like 1700, like five every afternoon. So if you sat in these like frontline towns, like Zlotte and all of them, you'd wait till five, you'd see they're like, Land crews with fucking UN on the side of the leaf, and then just shit go down. <laughs> yeah, right. it's, it's They're like, gone. Yeah, literally, yeah. literally, it was like that. Um, wow. And it was like such Fuck. a weird, like stagnant war for years. And then the twenty fourth, there were some people in the bar the night before, like, oh, we've heard some rumors, and it's like bullshit. And the rumors were just off people being like, oh, whatever. And the day before, so what were the rumors? Oh, like they may invade tomorrow. Yeah. And everyone just—it was only like a few. Like there was only five Westerners out there, all journalists, um, a couple of Al Jazeera and me. And it was like, yeah, fucking I did be. Um, and then it was like, yeah, maybe we've heard this, heard that, heard some troop movements. And I'm like, there's fucking troop movements all the time. This is like the boy who cries wolf. It's every mm. few days, they're invading tomorrow, it doesn't happen. Invading tomorrow, it doesn't happen. Um, so I'm just fucking on the piss. Because I'd been, I'd spent the day and uh, people have heard of Mariupol. Mm. That's like where shit went down. That was like the Stalingrad of this century. Like that was horrific. And I was in Mariupol that day. And thank fuck I left. And I had a little bit of a feeling because my mate, who recently in the past week has come out of Russian captivity 
Uh, oh. He was held as a POW there. On, well, he wasn't in Russia. Well, it depends who you ask. But he was in the Donetsk People's Republic, which is Russian-backed, on death row. And luckily, Fuck. no one knows, not even him, what deal was brokered, but some Saudi, like, fucking prince brokered a deal to get him out of death row. And he was on death row. They were going to kill him. Why did, why did a Saudi prince no have anything knows. to do with it? No one knows. So there, there, was, there was some, like, Russian POWs released back for these, like, he's British, and some British and some, like, Ukrainian POWs and all this shit. But there is some deal brokered there. No one really fucking knows. Um, but he's like, I'm free. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, as long as well as some other Brits. But he told me, like, I hey, probably don't stay in Maripol tonight. There may be, like, some whatever. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm not staying here. And it's, you know, that town was, like, industrial as fuck. Yeah. So I went back. But, yeah, the next day, like, there was a little bit of feeling, but I paid it off at that point because it happened every couple of nights. Yeah. Like, you'd see, like, a, like a CNN headline of, like, you know, Russia will invade tomorrow. And you wake up, like, there's we no are. fucking tanks on the street. We're yeah. good. And that just happened again and again and again until – it happened, and I couldn't believe it actually happened. Yeah. yeah. So what? So what is that moment? What What time of day is it? Where Where are you? So what happens? I'm in the far east in a town called Kramatorsk, um, which is about as far east in a where you could get a hotel really, and it's a drive or a walk basically to the front lines, like you know, wow. walk. But it'd be 20, 30 kilometers. So it's within <laughs> it's artillery. Not a, that's not a walk, though. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, a, it's a walk. Sorry, if you're, Matt. If no, you're fucking desperate. It's a walk. Yeah, yeah you could walk. <laughs> I guarantee there's been plenty of soldiers walk that, walk that. Walk that far for a route. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking nice. We've all done. Yeah. Um, My word. But it's within it's within like some range of weapon systems yeah. and helicopters, okay. whatever. Um, and that morning, I woke up to almost like a thunder noise. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Look out the window, and uh, there's a molten. Russia uses a lot of multi-launch rocket systems. It just looks like a fucking holding ute with a big stack of tubes on yep. the back and basically they light it up and just all go. And just see in the distance, just like, and I'm like, fuck, that's nowhere near as far as those trains. Like, that's not 30 k's away. Mm. Like, that's closer than that. I'm sure of it. And my mate rings me like, can you hear that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. I think we turned on the news and like Putin's announcing he's a full fucking speech deal about the special operation being launched. And we're like, we'll meet up on the street. We'll go because we know there's a bunker down the road. Um, and as we meet up, there's that very famous video of where I'm live streaming and the missile comes over the top of us. I don't know if you've seen that. that have you like seen that? Uh, yeah, I think I have. You should, yeah. yeah, I'll pull it up. I'm yeah. like, I'm like fuck with the fucking missile. I just go over the top and spuds in. Fuck. And we're running down the street as shit's going. They've missiles coming in. It was fucking hectic. Jesus Christ. Um, who were you with at the time? Uh, a guy, Bryce, who was another like reporter. Um, and yeah, it just went all fucking wild, man. Like it was crazy. Like, fuck. That's day one. So here you are. I'm just going to... um. The declaration. There you go. Oh fuck! That's a missile. That's a fuck. missile. Oh. A fucking missile. That was one of those like hypersonic Holy fucking shit. missiles. Jesus Christ! All right, we've got to. Yeah, we're gonna hump it. I can't fucking believe. It. Right, where are dudes? Oh, maybe we'll say. Right. Are you good? I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, I'm just like filming. It's just my head. Yeah. Been here, I was freezing. Yeah. And I'm like, you just hear like like a missile, like a jet engine, and then just a cruise missile over the top and just spuds in. Uh, maybe a kilometre away on the airfield from us, and it was hectic. Um, Crazy. You know, and we're running down the streets, and you could see like some grad coming in, and you're like, um, like grad multi-launch rocket system, like fucking hell, like this is, and this is real. Where did you just go from? This? So that's obviously when it all kicked off. Yeah. So you got out of there. Yeah. So we. Um, how did you get? How are you getting? Obviously. So get... our fixer, like a fixer's like a like a local employee. Yeah. Okay. Cool. To use. Um, and the thing was, he was super pro-Russian. He was like, "We're like, really? hey, can you give us? We'll pay you." exorbitant amount of money yeah. to get us the fuck out of here because yeah. everyone no one thought Russia would have this is this the one here sorry yeah I think it's this one you might see 
Might wow. But it's straight over the top hits. So, yeah, it was... Look at the beard, though. Look it looks good. Yeah. I mean, the beard's unreal. And then that <laughs> night I got stuck in, like, a proper air raid. There's, like, the video after that, you can just hear the gun firing, and I'm just running around. Jesus Christ. Anti-aircraft fire right now. We're seeking cover. Yeah. So there was Russian, like, Su, um, Su like, uh, fighter jets, also known as a Frogfoot Su-27. Um, they're equivalent, like, A-10 that the Yanks have. And, yeah, there was a heap of them in the area. One got shot down. The fucking missiles going off. And that gun, you can actually hear, and I'm not, I can't prove this, but you hear that gun, that anti-aircraft gun, like, bop, bop, bop. And then you hear a missile, and then the gun stops. And I'm like, well, the plane probably hit. Like, <coughs> shit just went fucking wild. Yeah. So our fixer drove us out to there. We paid him money. But he was in the car. And he was like stoked the Russians are here. He was wow. like pro Russian as fuck. He called me a pussy at one point because he's like, You served, you, you went to Afghanistan, didn't you? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, What year? I'm like, 2017. He's like, I was there with the Soviets. Pussy. <laughs> 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 we knew a real war. I'm like, Fuck yeah, you did. Yeah, wow. Uh, but man, those older, like guys like him, say he was 60. He lived 30 years within the Soviet Union. Yeah. And that sort of, now that it's been 30 years since, that's a long enough time to sort of remember, like forget all the bad shit, remember all the good shit. Yeah, yeah. rose-colored glasses. Yeah, especially like a town like that or a little city is a bit shit now. Like it, that used to have a massive coal mine and it was a private locked off Soviet town. So no one in, no one out. But because of that and high ranking officials had come, it's a really nice town. Pripyat, like in Chernobyl, is famous for that. That was like a super nice town. And there was these little bits through the Soviet Union. And now the Soviet Union, when it collapsed and that broke off, they're probably like, we here mm. probably had it a lot fucking better then than maybe now or in the last 20, 30 years. And they've forgotten. They've forgotten the good. It's like school. School yeah. fucking sucked. We all yeah. look back. That was awesome. Yeah, best you remember years. the good shit. Yeah. Um, and that sort of happens with the older generation. And they were like, literally, he's ringing his wife like, they're coming back. We're going to be you know, part of the glorious union and shit. And wow. I'm in the back of the car following Google Maps like, he better be going the right fucking way. Yeah. I might end up in St. Petersburg. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. Far out. So that, that's... um. That's the first few days. Yeah. So what happens on the streets of the Ukraine at this point? People are... It's panic. I, I can imagine yeah. it must be. Not as much as getting the toilet paper at Coles when COVID was <laughs> But it was, it was pretty bad. It was bad. Like, there was just people escaping, trying to go everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, like, we were trying to find a way out because everyone thought that Russia would just roll over Ukraine. Like, realistically, you yep. thought... No one thought Ukraine had a fucking chance, including Ukrainians. Mm. And the fight, no matter what you think of this conflict, whether you're pro-Ukraine, pro-Russian or centralist, you can't say they haven't fought like fuck against a major power. Yeah. Like us invading fucking, if we just took back Tasmania yeah. from them, like fuck their As stuff. As we should, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It would be like the equivalent <laughs> of that. Yep. Um, and they've managed to hold on. So we, at that point, everyone thought just roll over it. So we're like, we need to be out of here in like 48 hours. Because that's what all the American intel said. 48 hours and they'll have the country. Wow, like, that was what they were thinking. Yeah, and we're, we're like, we've got like 1,200 k's to go. Shit. With no vehicle, in the panic fucking everywhere. And yeah, it's a, a country that's slow. Like the roads are chocked, you know, everything. What are your thoughts will happen to you if you can't get out of those those hot zones? Well, you don't know at that point. Because at that point, it, too, we didn't see the brutality of the Russians. You know, I still thought the Russians were somewhat of a professional military. I was like, well, maybe they'll treat us like us, but... Like, if I get captured, I'll be all right. But getting caught in the crossfire, like crossfire artillery. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like artillery fires, you know, 30, 40, 50 kilometers, depending on the gun. Yeah. You get caught in the cross, you know, 30, 40 meter kill radius. You get caught in the crossfire and you're fucked. Yeah. 40 meter kill radius. Oh, easily. From, a, from a, like a, oh, some artillery. Oh, easily. Could be, could be way more. If you're talking like TOS-1, like they're... Um, the big multi-launch rockets, yeah, way more. So, magic. what do you get hit with there? You get hit with shrapnel inside of the rocket, or? Well, it, it depends because you have like, um, like primary sort of frag, which is part of the rocket hitting you, mm. and then you have secondary frag, which is like the rocket hits a building and, and concrete that. hits you and shit, and then you have like a barotrauma, which is just like pretty much the impact of that, and you even have you getting picked up by that and hitting a wall like yeah. behind you and fucking. Mm. Like, it's not a fucking good situation, and that's like. You know, it might be 40 meter kill radius, but it might be 200 meter, yeah. like where you could be get maimed and a bit of steel could go a kilometer and hit you, but it's just very unlikely. But then, like, you have like the Russians fire a lot of TOS 1, which are um, thermobaric weapons. Mm. So it has like you won't pick, you see some videos, but it's too quick to happen. But as it like imp, it explodes, releases a gas, like a very like a gas, and then inflames that gas and actually sucks in. It's a vacuum bomb, people call it a vacuum bomb, mm. and that will pretty much burn you alive from the inside. Fuck. Um, and pull, it'll pull the oxygen. So Jesus the gas reacts Christ. with oxygen. So the gas will come out and then ignites with the oxygen and then sucks it all. So it'll suck the air out of you and burn and burn you like a million degrees. Um, I've so always found that fascinating people who make um, weapons and like they create these weapons to it's kill. It's a trillion dollar business. Oh, yeah. Well, the military industrial complex mm. is what, the most successful business in the world. It perhaps. is, by, by a mile. I bet. But like those people, those scientists, and it was probably the same when they when they were building nukes and all these yeah. type of things. Like, yeah, the science is interesting, and hey, we can make the the, the oxygen catch on fire. And but the reality of the situation is, you're making it to burn someone's lungs and kill them. Yes, like yeah. it's a fucking it's crazy. People it's a don't crazy understand world. What these weapons do to a human body until you see them. Like most of our exposure with like trauma has been on like times I'm getting injured is on TV. Yeah. Or it's, um, you know, maybe someone getting hit by a car. Yeah. You don't see much what happens when a 21st century weapon that has been fine-tuned to fucking kill a human being hits a fucking human being. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, mm. that's not this movie where someone gets shot. It's like the original Saving Private Ryan. They had to retake the start out because they're like, we, they made it too real. It was too gruesome. Really? And you will not see on the news. Like, you might see some dead bodies, but you won't see the shit where people are turned inside out and there's fucking shit gone everywhere. You, like... I'll show you some photos after. He's fucked, like some of the stuff. Um, mm. yeah, you're getting hit by something that burns you alive. Yeah. You know, you see guys just fucked up. It's horrific. Mm. Um, like that amount of trauma. So it's crazy. What does that do to you, seeing all that? Um, I don't know, the first couple of bodies I saw out there, and it's not the first time I've had dealt with dead people. Um, but it's mainly like the young guys, it's the guys who look younger than you. Like there's Russians, Ukrainians, and they're like 17. Young, mm. clean-shaven, fresh-faced guys. And you're like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck? 
Um, and yeah, it was pretty like our first experience with a lot of death out there was we rolled into this village. I got like smuggled into this village because um, they're pretty tight with like going in and out. And this village had just been liberated by the Ukrainians. So it was Russian occupied for maybe like 10 weeks. And my fixer at the time, who's a fucking legend, but he was like, I'll get you in. But like, it's going to be a bit dodgy. You got to pretend to be my son. Don't speak anything because they'll pick up your English straight away. We'll get you in. Get in. And we're there before the people are even allowed to come back to their homes there. And like the first thing we were sort of going in this house, we're looking through like, fuck, it fucking stinks in here. Open the basement. And they've just been shoving the, the Russian bodies down the basement. Wow. Six, seven bodies just decomposing in there, <sighs> just fucked up. And then the people came home. It was their house. And we're oh, like, no. where the fuck do you start with this? <sighs> um, and then there was probably the saddest thing there was those people's dog was fucking like dead there. But it'd be, you could tell it was cut up. And the Russians were that hungry. They were cutting up the dogs. Because these people escaped and just left their animals. And these people were cutting up their family dogs. Like the Russians were cutting them up to eat them. Is, like, does that does that go on to say like the Russians just weren't prepared for this, or they weren't prepared for a long war? It, it really depends because it goes like it's so hard to see the Russians of these poor of soldiers. But something that is fake is there are fantastic soldiers in the Russian army as far as soldiers go. Like the Vitova, um, the Spetsnaz types are fucking very good soldiers. Watch any of their helmet cam footage; you're like those guys know what the fucks up. But there's also these conscripts from mm. like Russia's biggest country in the world by like. <laughs> Double anything else, like double China's landmass. And these guys are from way out the other side. You can tell because a Moscovite looks, you know, you're sort of white European guy. But you look in the, like, the Asian parts of Russia and stuff, you can, these guys almost look like Nepalese. Yeah. And they're from the other part of They had nothing to do with fucking Moscow. Mm. And the, Ru- well, not the Russian people, but like throughout history of the Russian government has seen these people as like lower humans. And it's like, fuck it, we'll just gather them up, chuck them in, the, in like a village and hold that. And that just fucking happens. So you see these guys who don't look, like traditionally Russian there. Um, and these are probably fuck all training, if any training, and things like you just rubbish everywhere, which soldiers would not do. Mm. Not because you like, rap on the ground because it's fucking a war, but it might be seen. And, and it's just little things like that. You know, you don't shit in the open because you'll start smelling it if you're an enemy combatant. And they're just shitting everywhere. They're putting bodies down. Like they were stuffing bodies down in that same village, just stuffing bodies down the well. Um, oh. I don't know how many were there, but people were saying it was like eight to 10 bodies just stuffed down this well. And we're like, well, why the fuck would you Do contaminate that? your own yeah. water yeah. source? Here? It's just low, and like their burials, like in this, like anyone they tried to bury here, their, their, their graves are that shallow. You could see the end of their boots sticking up out of the ground. So it was only a centimeter off the top of their face. Fuck. Um, just savage, like that amount of death, and guys getting hit with like weapons and systems. And there was in this um, same village, there was tanks. In pretty much every garage, there was a Russian tank um, <laughs> that had been blown up. Oh. And those tanks, because of the auto loading system, uh, explode, you must, you're sending them to cook off. Like, because something hits, it explodes the ammo inside the tank and then the top, like, turret will pop off. Um, and one of them, and I still reckon the most savage I'd fucking seen, well, that had obviously happened. And the commander, he looked fine from, like, so, like, the tits up because he was out the top of the turret with, like, his hands, like, on the side of the tank. But he was trying to crawl out as the tank was on fire inside. from like And from, like, his tits down, whatever was in the tank because he was trying to crawl out was just... Fucking barely skeleton. Mm. Like it had just burned at a thousand degrees in there, just cooked him off. Mm. But from like here up, perfect. Wow. So it just looked like a guy hanging out the top of a tank, sort of, you know, bloated out white, but the rest of him was just nothing. And you're like, oh, that's a, that's a fucking way to go. Crawling out just on fire. Like, Fuck. poor fucker. And like, you know, I don't care about, you know, what people's opinions are. When you're somewhere and there's 17, 30 year old men, young guys, who have been fucking cooked alive by something, 
whether they're in the right or wrong, I don't really yeah. care at that point. It's a fucking young dude who's died in a savage way, and that's that's fucking horrific. You could only imagine what they went through on D Day and throughout, oh. like Stalingrad and and um, you know, go back to World War One and yeah. the Poor War and all the wars throughout history. Like it's just like that old that old quote, "War is hell." Like it's just, I could not comprehend what that what happens in oh, that in that insane know, in that environment yeah like well, it's just crazy i did a podcast with a lad who was part of the, like, the infamous azov battalion they're the ones that people call like, like neo-nazis and nazis the so azov. what is the what is the tale with that can you can you explain why people think that it's a nazi um yeah well they think correctly it's got nazi roots 100 has nazi roots but so okay. does the fucking german army now and they're not nazis at all yeah um so look i, I won't know it completely verbatim sure. but they're they're they sort of look up to this guy, Bandera, because I'll refer to him as a Banderas. Now, Bandera was basically out of um, the Third Reich, was a, a Ukrainian nationalist, because Ukraine had a lot of Nazi Soviets all across it, and the Soviets starved Ukrainians to death, and the Nazis, and they both are fucking not good people. Um, and Bandera was like a super nationalist Ukrainian. A lot of Ukrainians, well, but like not the majority, but a lot of Ukrainians follow sort of the Bandera nationalism. But that comes straight from like Nazi roots, and he's sort of the the reason that Azov Battalion exists. And if you look at the Azov, um, like the A three O B, that's sort of how it's spelt there in Cyrillic. But you look at their like patch, it's very like Nazi looking, mm. um, and they're straight up. And no, they won't like. Yeah, we have com- like legitimate Nazis in in the unit. Like you know, there's guys and their screensaver will be Hitler or a swastika, and they wow. swastika tattoos, and they're like, that's how it is. Um, and it might be easy to judge from afar, but you live in one of those countries where that shit, the Soviets or the, like, you know, people fell on the side of the fence. Mm. I was with this, um, a babusia is like a Ukrainian babushka, like in Ukrainian. So I was with this babusia and she was, fuck knows, like a hundred. And I was talking <laughs> to her and she was like, yeah, when I was a little girl, I remember my parents telling me, be quiet, be quiet, the Nazis are coming because the Nazis were moving through her village. And then she said, and then a few weeks later, my parents again, like, be quiet because the Soviets are coming back through. And it's like, fucking hell. And she was like, well, I'm scared because now the Soviets are coming back. And she's like, I didn't think I'd see this again. Mm. And that's sort of people lived like that. You live at extremes, extremes come out of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, is everyone in that a Nazi? Of course not. Is it based on some Nazi roots and are there Nazis in it? Fucking absolutely there. Yeah. Um, but what those guys went through and they fought like, fuck. Like, you know, as far as warriors, holy shit. Um, but I was talking to this lad. He was a Azov Battalion guy. It's, it's on, not to plug myself, but it's on my podcast. No, plug talks, away, please. He talks, he talks about um, his sort of final mission and that he was the only surviving member of his whole, like, brigade battalion. Um, that he's had, we had all these missions and dudes just dying, like, unbelievable death. And he was like, I have no idea what was happening. We just got in, like, this massive contact firefight and there's shit going off fucking everywhere. We, and we completely, like, zoned it. We didn't know what was happening. It was just panic. So then I remember sort of a, like a thud and we must have hit a um, like a vehicle, gr- um, uh, what do you call it, uh, anti-purse, like grenade on the ground. The vehicle rolls up the side and he said, I was unconscious from that landmine. Like I was gone. I was in and out of consciousness a little bit, but out of it. And he said, the only reason I know what happened to myself was the Russian drone that was targeting us. They posted the fucking video on one of the, right, the pro-Russian telegrams. And he said, yeah. you see my best mate open up the hatch on the side and he's bleeding out and pulling me out of this fucking vehicle. And then he said, you see him go down and just sort of collapse from bleeding out. And he's, he was the only surviving member of the whole thing. Every single guy but him is dead. 
And you're talking four to six hundred guys. Jesus. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like like you say, let's say Battalion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, five hundred guys in the battalion and in that firefight, he's the only one left. Every single guy like all my mates are all from my battalion. Every single one he every single one of them's dead, from the commanding officer through to the youngest junior bloody soldier, all dead. But him and his mate sacrificed to pull him out. Jesus. And that and his and that was pretty much the second time that happened to him. Um, he went out and it was like the other ones he's talking about when they tried to store Maripol. The, the now you're not on this. You're not. You're going to be on the next run of choppers. Not this. And all the chop. Every single guy dead. Like, and it's like fuck. How does this? Where do you start with that? Like he's telling me, I'm in like fucking tears on the mm. like talking to him. I'm like, where the fuck do you start? Mm. Like, how do you start recovering that? Like, I get. Oh, I have saw something traumatic. Like you know, I get with myself. Oh, I saw some dead bodies and this and that. But every single one of my friends is dead. All my peers are dead in a completely fucking savage way. And he's like, we didn't even, we got hit by artillery and landmines. We didn't even see the Russians. We didn't even see them. He said, we were like, could be 10, 15 kilometers away. We are driving through a field next thing, the artillery's kicked off and we're hitting um, like vehicle-borne mines. And it's like, the fuck do we do now? Mm. We didn't do shit. He said, we didn't even get like, he said, those guys firing guns, but just in the tree lines, not hitting shit. They weren't yeah. there. How do you come to terms with it? That was worth it. And he come to terms that 500 of us died to not even see a Russian. Fuck. And this guy, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, you, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, there's nothing you can say. No. Like that's, that's like back to D-Day. That's what happened. People yeah. lost their entire battalion in a matter of minutes. Yeah. Like people who you've grown up with and you've, you know, spent the last year with in basic training, whatever, back back in the World War II, gone Yeah. in a matter of moments. There's a fantastic Australian war song, very <coughs> unknown. Like on YouTube, it only have 10,000 views. It's called Last Man from Denali. And I have, like, anyone look it up for an Anzac Day song, fucking brilliant. And he was born in Denali. And back then, like, World War One, they'd come to your town, recruit all the men, and you sort of just deployed with them. And the whole thing is about him coming back, and he was the only man left in Denali. Uh, and throughout history, that's happened. And I thought I thought World War Two was the last time we'd see, maybe Korea, last time we'd see that, the men of, like, you know, human suffering. Like, even Vietnam, we lost 500. Across Afghan, we lost 40, 42. But like that amount, we are losing thousands mm. in a day. Mm. It's unbelievable. And the scale, even I was there, I couldn't get my head around the scale of it. I wouldn't have the words to do it. I couldn't mm. comprehend it when I was there. Mm. I was, I, we, were, we were just in um, a place in Western Australia called Mandiap, Mandiap, mm. And driving into it, there's a town, I think it's called Bridgeton, just before it, about four hours south of Perth, or southwest of Perth. And there's a, an epitaph there, World War One epitaph, and there's about six names on it. And I just thought to myself, so, you know, for, for a lack of many reasons, the English have just gone, right, get everyone in Australia on boats over to, you know, Gallipoli probably, I'm not sure where these, where these young men died or parts of France. And they've gone to this town four hours by car, so what, two days by fucking horse yeah. to, pick up, to pick up just these random blokes yeah. and then never return them yeah. Yeah. and then give them an epitaph. And for crazy. what? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. Oh, mate, it's, it's unbelievable. And I've just been in France with my partner and we went out near, uh, like, sort of just north of Normandy, up near sort of Dunkirk area. Mm. And there's, you know, you come across a random 
like epitaph and maybe some graves and it's like an Australian gravesite. Like, yeah. Fuck, like, there's a town there. That, a long way from home now. There's like, a town that uh, in France somewhere that basically owes their survival to the Australians. I was, I was there on Anzac Day 2017, Villas right. Bretonneur in, in France. Well, I went there and it's one of the most incredible that we drove in. I was hungover as fuck and about to be hungover <laughs> again because it was Anzac Day. Very, we, very Australian we, of you to be yeah. dusty on Anzac Day. I mean, we Good drove work. in there, man, I made in this like shitbox Citroën. We were in the army at the time. And they still flag, uh, in that town, they still hang the Australian flag high in the French flag. Wow. And the French are wow. very fucking proud people. Yeah. Wow. And you drive past the school and there's kangaroos drawn and there's boomerangs. Wow. And there's dot and it's unbelievable. That. You get yeah. there and you're like, what, where the f- and we rocked up in Ballarat. Like, yeah, where the yeah. fuck are we? Ex- except the Eshays. We're like, <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Uh, and yeah, they literally owe, well, it's not only owe the town to it, it's actually Paris owes it because um, Villas is, you know, say three or four hours from Paris. But, as they were coming through, Paris would have fallen incredibly fast if they didn't hold off there. And the Australians are the ones who stayed and, and fought it out. Mm. Uh, and unbelievable if you're there. It's incredible. But you go to the beer, uh, so you go to the pub, get a beer, and they'll be like, are you Australian? Yeah, you don't pay here. You never pay here. Wow. Drinks, we're staying at people's places. We're doing everything. Wow. Fucking, if you ever go to like an Anzac Day, Villas Bretonneux is fucking amazing. Wow. It was one of my favourite memories ever. It was great. I'd love to go there. That sounds amazing. Awesome. Just oh, to awesome. see that. Like... I, I love the respect side of things for Anzac Day. Yeah. And I feel like it's obvious, like obviously it's mainly aimed at Gallipoli. And yeah. I understand that. And I get where that comes from because it was, you know, when we were around Federation and all that type mm. of stuff. I feel like it should be, and that's where you learn as a kid, like this is what it's about. It's about the Anzacs. I, I worry that it's not focused on people like who have just passed in Afghanistan during the fighting or, um, in Vietnam or, or wherever, Korea, um, and even in World War Two to an extent, yeah. there isn't enough of a focus on the other people who have sacrificed their lives. Like, I mean, World War One. you look at World War One, you go, oh, fuck, we didn't need to be in that. No. But you look at World War Two, and you go, well, fuck. You need to be there. need to be in see, that. Yeah. And I feel like that maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how you, you teach kids to sort of, it's, it's or anyone. It's difficult too with, and, and this is my bias, uh, and I'm probably more in touch with it because I know guys in Afghan or whatever. So, yeah. you know, we do a lot, of, a lot of memorials for that sort of stuff too. But, you know, Anzacs get one day. You know, that's, that's mm. it. You, you get, well, maybe a couple of memorial days a year. But you look at these other groups in Australia have, oh, it's this month or this week. And you're like, hang on. Yeah. These dudes from every denomination, there was dudes who were black and white and gay and Asian and every, every fucking thing here. It doesn't matter. Everyone fucking got called up and fought. Mm. And we've got one day to remember the sacrifice they fucking had. Mm. And we would not have any of this shit. We couldn't be bullshitting like this no way. if that didn't happen. Yeah. So it's a, it's a bit like, hang on, we should be paying so much more respect into this crap um, that's going on because that was unbelievable. And when we walk through, like at Normandy, and Normandy is American, primarily American graves, you walk through the fields and you're like, Mike, like, I had no idea of the amount of dead bodies there. Like just the fields of... Like, headstones mm. and it's just acres and acres and it never stops i think that's somewhere going. i want to take my son because we, we, we want to go to europe again uh we, we were there a couple of years ago but i want to go back there and i want to go to france and i want to show him this part of the world and this is what yeah sort of can happen you having a boy are you no. <laughs> <laughs> no if i have a son it depends what he identifies as yes exactly josh it's they, 2020 they identify us, yeah. i want to show him all that or her <laughs> There's going to be an awkward sniff in the part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a beep. <coughs> um, 
I told people on stage the other night too. Did you? We've got a big round of applause, which is cool. No, you're not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't give a secret. No, I can't. I suck at secrets. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Seeing that, and that's something I really want to see because yeah. I've always had this fascination with, with D-Day, you know, Normandy, that type of stuff. But also like um, all of the French towns that I can't uh, sort of pronounce, like your Prees and all that type mm. of stuff. Um, because I have um, – where I went to school, Dudley Primary School, there were two Victoria Cross recipients from that school wow. in in World War um, in World War One, uh, like a two years apart from each other. Wow, Clarence Jeffries and William Curry, both VCs, both from the exact same school that I was at, and we were basically taught from a very young age like these guys are, you know, people to look up to. Yeah. Clarence uh, Jeffries is the um the name of the estate down near the reserve base at the bottom of Brunker Road there in Adamstown. So it Clarence, is right. Clarence Jeffries VC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how yeah. do you know that? Because I drive, because I live just up, yeah, I live near oh there. Dear. Yeah, I live near what, there. Yeah. What address? I nearly dogs myself. <laughs> <laughs> I live near there. Come round for a beer. <laughs> We're fucking pretty dumb, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, no, you could say that. You could say that. But yeah, wow. So it, so are we going back to the Ukraine anytime soon or are we? I don't know. I've spent the best part of seven months there this year. Is so that how, were you there for there. seven months straight or so like a couple of trips? Uh, three trips. Wow. Uh, I had to come back uh, for a brain scan uh, and then I went back after that. Uh, and then I had another trip after that. So you but go war zone, brain scan, <laughs> war zone. Yeah, pretty pretty much. That's well, yeah, but I had goes. to travel for 12 hours yesterday. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. We're, all, we're all doing it. I tough. was whinging I was in Sydney tough. for dinner last night and I got very sleepy on the way back. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know where I'll go next. Um, I feel Ukraine's you can... interesting, but I, I, I will branch out. I think you um, should absolutely do a lot of reporting. Well, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> yeah, um, like, like not just war reporting, but like... Everything that happens, mm. fucking be there. Because I think yeah. you're, you're just a gun at that. Like I was watching you reporting in the Ukraine and you were just a natural for it. Mm. Yeah, you're not going to get picked up by a, like a, a normal news network. But no, who, I swear who wants to? Yeah. Who wants to be that? Well, that's that sort of is something I wanted to ask you because a lot of – I've been relatively ignorant with the whole conflict other than that mm. it's going on. Yes. And I'd say everyone's kind of in the same boat. I'm pretty, you certainly are. Pretty much the case with a lot of things. But um, <laughs> all I know about it is what you, what you get – via the mainstream media and I'm always sceptical about that at the best of times but you hear things like like what you said like the Russians don't know how to fight mm -hmm. they're a ragtag bunch of you know like just blow-ins they're not they're not a, a sharp sort of unit yeah. um and the, the Ukraine are you know holding them off how how true is that like uh do the Russians suck as much as what they say or is that just kind of a bit of propaganda like because I don't know yeah. you don't know are you, are you pro-Russian is that what you're trying to say yeah. This is the problem, though, is yeah. if someone questions anything about Ukraine, and yeah. there's fucking shit to question, because we're sending $50 billion there. You can fucking question shit. $50 billion? If you're talking, well, amongst like the NATO forces, sure, 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 America sure. alone spent like 30 or 40. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you have a right to question. Like, this is the most corrupt country in Europe that we're sending billions to. The right to question, particularly because no one knows anything about it. Exactly. Like the layman's got like, yeah, Ukraine, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Well, why is there such an interest it? in it? Like America's back, you know, America's wow. sending them weapons, and we're sending them money and weapons. Well, do they like, see that as like a Russia's bit of a fuck you to, to NATO? And I, get, I get where Russia's sort of coming through. Like they well, are I get completely what Russia's coming through. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're saying NATO on their doorstep, and they're like, hey, hey, what the fuck? Well, the, the way I the way I've explained to a lot of people, and I'm not pro-Russian. Don't don't get me wrong, but if you ever, ever criticize Ukraine, you're pro-Russian. Yeah. Imagine if China wanted to come into Mexico, mm. install their safety measures, put weapons, maybe nuclear weapons in Mexico. How long do you think it would be until the US invaded Mexico? Yeah. If China started, if they're going to take over the New Zealand government, 
and put Chinese weapons there. And Australia thought, would Australia? I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. We need to stop that. Mm. Like, that's fucked. Now, I'm not saying NATO's the bad guy. I'm a soldier who, we're not part of NATO, but we were NATO aligned. They're not the bad guy. Mm. But if you're... Putin, you're Russian. You're going to tell you people. They are the bad guys, yeah, and they come to your border. It'd be the same as if we saw China on our border, and we'd go, "We don't fucking want that." Before this gets out of control, mm. uh, and there's plenty of things that you can question about Ukraine, mm. about the Minsk Agreement, Minsk One, Minsk Two, about the one who broke the Minsk Agreement was Ukraine. It was not Russia. It was Russia, that, Belarus, Ukraine. What is the, the Minsk Agreement? Them. Sorry, what, what's so, that? Look, I'll probably butcher some of this, but. And you could tell me anything, mate, I believe you. <laughs> there's a lot more in it than I'll, than I'll say. But um, in the sort of east of Ukraine, you've got a lot of people who got sort of stuck on the wrong side of the border. They're Russian people. They all speak Russian. They're on that side. And what the Minsk Agreement had was, look, there are Russian people here who want to be in Russia. What we want for Minsk Agreement is in these areas, there's Luhansk, Donetsk regions, oblasts, like a, like a state. What we want is them to have a democratic vote. Like, do you want to join Russia? Yes, no. And if the answer is no... Border stays Ukraine. If it's yes, then it becomes Russia. Because not only are these Russian people living here who don't want to be here mm. in a news, like about 30 years, it's not that long, um, but they're also being sort of vilified by these Ukrainian national groups. Now, it's, no, it's not as bad as the pro-Russians will say. They're not out there fucking murdering and beating them. But there are Banderas, you know, neo sort of nationalist Ukrainians who don't like these pro-Russian people. They're giving them a hard time. And what Minsk 1, Minsk 2 was meant to be was that, okay, we run a fucking vote in this to see how it goes. Ukraine never ran the vote. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying nothing justifies the war that's happened. Nothing justifies that. But there is plenty of fucking things to be like, hang on, what the fuck was that? Mm. You have plenty of examples of that throughout, like, Ukraine's history. Um, that you're like, hang on, did anyone try and stop this fucking happening? Mm. You know, Russia, uh, Russia, Putin, I'll say, fucking tried to hold an emergency, like, crash UN meeting in the week leading up to the invasion. And it was turned down. Like, hang on, fuck off. Mm. You go to that shit. You're talking a country with 8,000 nuclear weapons. Have they got more nukes than anyone? Are they used to in the Soviet Union? I'm not sure anymore. Like, they wouldn't have the capability of ours. But it doesn't matter. No. Capability. Once is, they start flying, it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter. You, can't, you <laughs> cannot shoot down ICBMs. Yeah. We may hit a few of them. You're not hitting, you, you might hit 2%. So why, why can't you shoot them down? Um, there's a, some really good infographics on YouTube to look up who will explain how ICBMs work. But they basically go in space. Is that an intercontinental ballistic missile? Yeah. Is that what I said? Yeah. Josh, I was guessing. Oh, that was a, <laughs> that was a fucking lucky guess. I used to have, I used to have LCMs at school. Yeah. But. <laughs> so you know, these ballistic missiles... I thought it was IBS. <laughs> <laughs> they can launch them from uh, ground base. They can launch them from submarines. And submarines are the most dangerous because fuck knows where it's coming from. And they can get anywhere in the world. They could go up, grow and hit themselves if they wanted. Mm. Um, they basically go into orbit so they can go anywhere in the world very, very fucking quick because it's not just firing in a straight line. You're in orbit. You can mm. do a lap of the world in like 14 minutes. Um, Fuck. And the infographic will show there's like a top cap pops off. They don't have one warhead. Some of them have like 10 or 15 warheads. Oh, and they Jesus. break down and split up and it's come like in. Like, they all sort of launch off. They might actually have 10 live warheads and then five fake ones. But the fake ones are tuned to um, trick our ground-based systems to aim on those and try and hit those ones instead of them getting through. So when you say, oh, yeah, they've got 5,000 ICBMs, well, each one might have might have 10 warheads within it. Mm. You can't hit these. And you, there's lots of things like, oh, yeah, no, we, we can't hit those. Um, it's coming back in at fucking Mark 10. Yeah. We're not hitting that. Um, and they're made, you know, they're made to get through our defence. And ours are the same to them. That's the, um, the mad treaty, mutually assured destruction. 
We know if one fires, we're fucked. We're all fucked. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, you don't need to like Putin. You don't need to like Russia. You don't need to like any of this. But is a country like that still 130 something million people? There's still a country that affects our like economic status fucking massively, and they still have a massive military. They still do. Um, you probably want to fucking talk to them. Mm. Yeah. And as well as we fucked up 2004, Vladimir Putin put in to join NATO, and we denied him. Right. And it's shit like that. I'm like, you might not fucking like him, but at least you can... We don't, Open like, up a conversation. Politically, Turkey probably shouldn't be in NATO either. But if Turkey's in NATO, well, at least we have some control of what's going on. Yeah, at least you can talk to the and people. Yeah. Form, um, a, form a bond or a conversation or something with these yeah. these people who you see as, you know, crazy. And now it's too late. Now Putin won't stop. Ukraine won't stop. And where it ends, no one fucking knows. Like, no one knows, including me. And the, the more I was there... Like, the more time I spent there, the less I knew. I'm, like, mm. just digging and digging, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, these people are bringing up, well, you speak the Russian people, they should have invaded because of this, or they shouldn't have invaded because of that. And you're like, oh, my God. This is so much more fucking confusing than Russia bad, Ukraine good, in we go. That's how it gets painted, though. Like, yeah. that's, it's, it's, it's the same, yeah. like, with COVID or whatever. Yeah, but it's just like you're either, like you said, if you're not... You've got to advertise. If you're not like, anti-war, yeah. you're pro-Russia, and it's just, like, it's just that. Well, it's, sanctions, it's straight down the middle. Sanctions are fuck the media. Yeah. Because if you look on, imagine Channel 7 per se, already taking the piss out of them enough. And at the end <laughs> of the news, they'll have sponsored by Toyota and the dude mm. doing the jump. Well, does Toyota have sanctions against Russia? Yes. What are you gonna, what's gonna happen? Like, so Toyota's pulled billion dollars of business out of Russia. But imagine if your news got on and defended part of Russia, mm. Toyota would go, what the fuck are we giving your money for for the news? Yeah. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. And it's the more and more and more, and the industrial complex, military industrial yeah. complex. Go, uh, anyone, go on, Line, look up some um, like ticker numbers for uh, stock, like military stocks on the 23rd of February. Look up like how much like Talos was, Rolls Royce, things like that. The big military players, Rain Matar. Look up them on the 23rd, Invasion on the 24th, and look at the price fucking since mm. skyrocketed. We need a war, like America especially. You need many a war. people yeah. employed in this system. Kabul fell. Next thing, Amelia has. Uh, America, not Amelia. America has... <laughs> Who is she? Yeah, I don't know. Throughout the military and the supporting systems, I don't know, 20 million jobs. Could be yeah. more. Australia has a million jobs throughout defence. You can mm. Not only active soldiers, that's only 5%, but you've got all these other people. Mm. Um, it's an industry. What are those people going to be doing? You need all. How do you justify spending tens and tens of billions of dollars on your military if there's no, if there's no fucking threat? Yeah. And this is why we painted Russia as a threat. The propaganda around Russia being powerful was not their propaganda, it's ours. Yeah. Because... Mm. How can we justify having guys like myself and all these dudes getting paid, spending billions on defence if we don't have an enemy? Mm. So, and Call of Duty, the bad guy's Russian. Movies, the bad guys are Russian. Our army, we train against, we call them the Bulzarians. But they're fucking Russians. Like, that's who we, like as far as um, like in like exercise game, the enemy party, all Russian tactics, Russian vehicles, blah, blah, blah. It's painted as that. It's pretty easy to paint them as the bad guy. Mm. And Russia do fucking brutal shit. They're not like us. They'll just fucking roll in and start shooting dudes. Mm. And that's true. But, like, the biggest thing I ask is it's more complex than the news will paint it. It's painted so easily. And you're like, well, no. It's fucking very, very difficult. And it runs so deep. Mm. It runs so deep. Well, mate, we um, want to thank you for being here. We're going to have oh, a you. little bit longer of a chat, if that's okay, an extra 15, oh. 20 minutes on the Patreon-exclusive episode for $1 a month. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join Patreon. It's 25 cents a week. That's not too bad. I want to talk about China. 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 So uh, I don't know where the bell is to ring, but... Hey! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, Buttsman, Bluey. Yo. Any wills? 
Yeah, Willie, awesome. Willie Big Dog. We'll see you on the Patreon. <laughs> uh, Willie Beating Cancer is the your Instagram, and yeah. you can go and check out uh, Will's uh, Will's Matt's Will's um, YouTube. There's a guy I know called Jordan Michael Edies, and I rang him the other day. I called him Michael Jordan Edies. <laughs> 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 Shout out to Jordan. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Tula over. Bye bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.